welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And I'm going to continue talking about the way of victory because we're not done yet. And we had hit on something last week that was a one-timer. It was a one-message on revival proceedings. And we'll get back to that eventually, I'm sure, as the Lord leads. Things that lead up to a great revival. But today I want to continue. We need to go back. This is our seventh week talking about the life of victory. And I want to read again verse 16 and 17 out of Romans chapter 3. Everybody say, the life of victory. There is a life that you can live that already has victory in it. You don't even have to pray for it. A lot of times all these prayers for help is because we're on a wrong road experiencing wrong things. And any believer can get a victory. But it takes living in the will of God to live in victory. It's not just how we pray that we need to look at. It's how the way we're living. Because you can pray for deliverance, be on the road to misery, and experience misery two weeks later after you got delivered. The moment you're born again, you don't, you, you don't lose your free will. You can still go to wrong places and get shot at. And it doesn't mean God wanted it to happen. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you got on a wrong road. If it can happen in the natural, it can happen spiritually. So, so let's, let's go a little further than just, when I'm in trouble, I'll pray, I'll get pastor to pray, and everything will be all right. How about we find the life that doesn't have so many of these problems on it? How about we find the way that doesn't have so many of these problems on it? And get off that way, and get on the right way. And you know, if you're living in the life of victory, or the way of victory, you don't have to pray, Jesus, save me so much. Because <laughs> there's just salvation around you on the right road. Um, I know a lot of people just are in the habit of doing their own thing, following their own dreams, pursuing their own careers, and if they're in trouble, they'll cry out to God. And the interesting thing about it is He will help you. Anybody can get a victory. But it doesn't mean you're going to stay in victory. Getting free and staying free is two totally different things. Staying free has a lot to do with living for Him. Discovering what He has for your life, not just deciding what we want to do. It's the high life. It's the best life. There's, there's joys and peace in, that come from this life. You can get no other way. And so Romans 3, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says destruction and misery are in their ways. If people are experiencing destruction and misery, a big answer to getting free is check out the way you're talking, check out the way you're thinking, check out the way you're believing, check out the way you're treating other people, check out the way you're loving. See, this is beyond just, oh Lord, help me. Any believer can get a victory. It takes living a certain way to live in that area of victory and not always need help. Now, we're, don't get me wrong. We're going to need help, all right? I'm not, I'm not crazy. But you, we can miss a ton of misery and destruction if we just analyze our way a little more closely. 
No, I get in trouble. I'll just pray. You'll get some freedom, but do you want to stay free, church? Do you want to stay free? Then you're going to have to go a little deeper than just how you pray. You're going to go, have to go into the way you're living your life. The Bible says if Jesus is our Lord and not just the Savior we cry out to when we get in trouble, if he's actually your Lord, all these benefits are added to your life. Healing, forgiveness, freedom from destruction, etc., etc. You don't have to pray for benefits. Just make Jesus the Lord of your life and they'll be on that road. The Bible says if you'll obey God with everything you've got and follow him every day of your life, the Bible says all these blessings will overtake you. You don't have to pray for something that's overtaking you. Do you see how living in the way that God has for your life will eliminate a ton of prayers? You don't have to pray for yourself. Actually, you'll get to the place where almost all your prayers are for other people because everything you need is just on the road you're on. If, you, if destruction and misery are in your way, what should you do? Go ahead and put it on the screen. What should you do? Find a new way. Next verse. And the way of peace. Peace is more than just an answer to a prayer. Peace is a way you choose to live. You know, I know um, in, in my study of these things, I found out that we're going to talk today about love because love is the way to victory. But I found out that a lot of people are, have ill health today because of the words they've been speaking toward and against other people. It's called a violation of love. And a lot of times, you know, we had a whole prayer line here on Wednesday night of people that needed healing and we laid hands on everyone. By the way, I'm believing everybody received. <laughs> I refuse to doubt. I believe everybody got something good. And I don't know why sometimes it takes two or three or four days or whatever, or a week or two for things to manifest in the physical, but that prayer line worked. But I found this out, that if we lay hands on somebody for healing who needs to make an adjustment in their heart, it'll hinder their faith because nothing will happen. A lot of times, prayers don't work because people have unforgiveness in their heart or they have bitterness or strife in their heart that they haven't dealt with. Faith works by love. And you can't receive by faith if you're not you know, walking in the level of love you know to walk in. And a lot of times just doing those things is a waste of time. It hurts people's faith because nothing's going to happen anyway if you pray for them. The Bible, you know, I think it's interesting. The Bible talks about um, refrain your tongue from evil and your lips that they speak no guile if you want it to... Um, if you want to love life and see good days, refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. So really the way we're talking has a lot to do with good things or bad things happening in our life. People don't see it, but it's true. It's, it's a very powerful truth. So I want you to please go with me now to 1 John. Actually, go to Galatians chapter 5. And if you haven't been with us in the last six, seven weeks, you should go back and listen to some of the archives because we talked about a lot of powerful things if you want to live the life of victory and not just, you know, bailed out every time you hit a brick wall. You can miss some brick walls. Can I get an amen? Yeah. In a first, uh, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, and then we'll go to 1 John. But Galatians 5, what is the way of victory? Well, we talked about four or five things already in detail, and today we're going to talk about a big one. 
probably the biggest one. Galatians 5 and verse 6, Paul's writing to the church and he said, For in Jesus Christ, being circumcised doesn't mean much and being uncircumcised doesn't mean much. But what means something? Come on, what avails much? Faith which works by love. Faith which works by love. Now, faith can receive anything from the Lord that you need. Health, healing, deliverance. Right? Healing from a terminal disease. Strength, peace of mind, healing of a broken heart. Prosperity. Faith can receive anything. All things are possible to them that believe. But this scripture says faith doesn't work just because you need and want something. Faith works by love. Now, I think that's twofold. Number one, we need to make sure we know that God loves us. Right? And He's not just a God who's, you know, going to smack us once in a while if we're not doing right. He's a father. He loves us and he's not into child abuse. He loves us. But it also is talking about our love for one another. Anybody want their faith to work when the devil attacks with you with a, a terminal disease or a mental issue or how many want your faith to work and be able to receive help from God? Well, how does faith work? So if we really want to be good at receiving from the Lord, we can't just talk about faith. We don't push faith aside. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. But we do want to add to our faith some understanding about love. God's love for us and our love toward one another. Actually, did you know Jesus said that all the world is going to know that we're His disciples because of our love one for another? The mark of true Christianity is not that we go to church. It's not that we speak in tongues. It's not that we're water baptized. The mark that you're really saved is that something happened in your heart toward other people. People that you used to hate, you now care for. People you used to not like, you now love them. First John said, we know. We know we've passed from death unto life. Because we know so many scriptures and go to church and quote scriptures and been water baptized and speak in tongues. No, none of that. He says, you know you're born again. Right? We know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. I don't know about you, but when I got born again, something happened in my heart to where those people I didn't like, and now I started caring for them. And it wasn't me just working up to something. Something changed on the inside of me. What's the, what's the mark of true Christianity? We know we've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life because we love each other. Jesus said the whole world is going to know we're his disciples because we love them? No, because we love each other. They're going to see such a tight-knit family and they are going to crave to be a part of it. Not people that are pointing their fingers at each other and cutting people down and exposing other people's sins and rehashing this and doing that and writing books about this Christian over here and talking bad about that denomination over here. No, no, that's why they're staying away by the droves. <laughs> right? Everybody craves a family where there's love. Everybody craves that. And we are that family. And if anybody should be loving anybody, we should be loving each other. Wanting the others to be first in line. Wanting somebody else to get that position in the church. Wanting somebody else to get the bonus. 
This is the God kind of love, and this is where true joy is found. You'll not find this kind of joy any other place except in giving to others and relieving burdens at the expense of yourself. Paul talked about being spent, gladly being spent for the people. What is that? It's called joyful sacrifice. You've tapped into something that you, you're addicted to now. You can't stop helping others and putting others before yourself. It'll release a joy in your life from the Almighty Himself that you can get no other way. Where are you at? Go to 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4. If you want to live in victory, you're going to have to be interested in living in love. 1 John 4. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Okay, so knowing isn't believing. A lot of people say, I know God loves me. Well, you don't know it like you could know it or should know it. But this scripture is also talking about leaning on the love of God with all your life in the greatest storms of your life. Not just knowing he loves me while I'm all upset, but actually leaning on his love, knowing everything's going to be all right because love didn't lie to me. But then it says, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that lives in love lives in God and God in him. How can you live a life protected from the enemy's lies and darts and sicknesses and diseases? Well, I look at it this way. If you're living in God, if it can't get through God, then it can't get to you. Now, do you understand why the Lord commands us to walk in love? He's commanding us to do something because it's so important to Him that we have the same kind of life He has. Never fail. Love never fails, right? Full protection, right? No sickness. Freedom from all kinds of pains and depressions. The, God is saying, listen, this is too serious for me to suggest this to you. I'm your Father and I love you so much, I command you, walk in love. Because I want you to have the same blessing and life and health that I have. I mean, God is love. He's saying, be like me. Why? Well, here's what you need to ask yourself. God tells us to walk in love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love you? <laughs> He's very patient with you. How should we be toward other people? How he is toward us, right? Um... So, God is love. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, not as yourself. That's Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're beyond that. Love one another as he loved us. He wants us to be like him so we can experience what he's experiencing. Well, how is he? How's God? Last I checked, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> Streets of gold, right? Always full of joy. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Pleasures at his right hand forevermore. What's God trying to get us? What, what's he trying to bring us to when he says walk in love? Where he's at. Love never fails. On top. No sad days. Perfect health. Strength beyond. 
Do you understand why he wants you to walk in love? Yes, it's the right thing to do. He wants you to realize this is life. Life is not about getting. Life is about giving. You have flesh. I have flesh. We all have parts of our being that aren't fully redeemed and saved yet. And it's going to buck this kind of life until, <laughs> until your flesh and your life starts to see the benefits from God because of letting the other one have the best. Yielding and let them have the, the, the time or the place or the attention. Now, I'm going to show you before this is over that this is how fullness of joy shows up in your life. A lot of people think happiness is the result of getting what they want. Absolutely the opposite of how it really happens. Jesus said it's more blessed and happy and advantageous to give than to receive. Jesus said, if you will walk in love, like I've been walking in love, doing what my Father wants me to do, if you'll do what I want you to do and walk in love toward others, he said, your joy will be full. I know we think, wait a minute, laying my life down for other people and praying for others and getting involved and relieving others' burdens and giving and giving, that's, that's really going to be a tough life. Jesus said, it's the fullness of joy life. All right, we'll get into some of that before we're done. So First uh, John says, God is love, and he that lives in love lives in God, and God in him. You know, it would, it would do us good to get a different perception of some scriptures. Every time you see the word God for a while, or forever, Put the word love. It'll change your whole outlook on life. For instance, you know, it says, My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How about my love? He's not just my God. He's my love. My love shall supply all my need. Why are we saying that? Because God is love. God has a lot of things. He's got wisdom. He's got power. But he is love. This is his core. This is his nature. Yes. And he doesn't want love being something we do. He wants us to realize we're born of love. Start accepting that and believing that. Acting on that love. And seeing God show up. I mean, when God shows up, things change. You ever hear the phrase, God heals? How about love heals? Huh? Do you ever hear, you ever hear the scripture? Um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of love and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. How about this? Submit yourselves therefore to love. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How many of you want your resisting of the devil to work? Well, I have news for you. He laughs. He laughs at people who are resisting him and all the while they're not living in love. The devil laughs. He knows he doesn't have to leave him. But you submit yourself to love. God is love. Now your resisting of the devil works perfect. Brother Hagin talks about people who are prayed for by the greatest healing evangelists in the land. And they still didn't get healed. Deathly diseases. Terminal reports. Weren't going to live much longer. Kenneth Hagin prayed for them. All Roberts prayed for them. All these healing evangelists prayed for them. And they're still sick and getting no better. And all the while the Bible says we have a right to be healed. He said a lot of those people realized after teachings like this 
that they needed to forgive somebody who had hurt them in their past. Or they needed to let go of some strife against somebody. They needed to let go of some bitterness against somebody. It said the moment, the moment they forgave somebody from their heart, they were healed of cancer. Prayer didn't work. Prayer of the best evangelist didn't work. But when they made that adjustment in their heart and truly decided to forgive somebody, healing showed up. And the reason being is faith works by love. It's hard to receive from God by faith if you know you've got something against somebody. You know, a lot of times the things we say about other people will cause ill health in our life in the weeks and months ahead if we don't repent. Say if we don't repent. Because if you repent, repentance changes everything. But a lot of people are in ill health today because they have not seen the power and the, the terribleness, that's my word, of talking bad about other people. I am... Um, I'm, I'm going to say this. I said it in the earlier service, and I said I'm not sure I'm going to say it in the later service, but I am going to say it in the later service. I know this is going all over the world right now. Um, there's been a couple times in my life, I, I'm a little disturbed about hearing how much slamming is going on in some of the media, and that's one of the reasons I don't like to listen to much of the media. Um, I... I, I guess I can say this publicly, but I know who I'm going to vote for on November 4th as far as the presidential office. I'm going to vote for the one who's presently the president. And I'm not doing it because I'm a Republican. Obviously, I'm not doing it because I'm a Democrat. I don't like to be categorized with Republican or Democrat. I'm a Christian. I want to vote for the person who's standing up for biblical values. I, I really don't care a whole lot how they talk or how they carry themselves. I just want to know what are they going to do. And I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to be, per this is not the church's stance on it, I'm saying, this is my stance, personally. I know who I'm going to be voting for, but you know, um, I'm a little disappointed at some of the Republicans. They're talking way too bad about the other side. And they're making fun. Actually, I, um, I was recently glancing at something uh, against Joe Biden. And, um, and, the Republicans, if they don't want to lose the election, they're going to have to do more than vote. They're going to have to quit violating love. I know Joe Biden. I know President Trump. I know people have weaknesses. People have mistakes. People have problems. People have rough edges. But to continuously magnify that, make fun of that, put the person down. because I actually saw a picture of Joe Biden just recently, and my, I saw him like God sees him. I almost cried. I felt so sorry for the guy. He's under such vicious attack. I know our, our president's under attack too, don't get me wrong. But I had always been more thinking, well, yeah, we, of course he can't get president. The Lord said, I need to show you him through my eyes. I'm not saying he, he should be president. I'm just saying I saw him through the eyes of the Lord. He's going through hell. And a lot of it's from Christians. The mockery, the emphasizing his weaknesses and mistakes and loving it and feeding on it. It's demonic. It's wrong. We are Christians. Right? Now, President Trump, he has a little more leeway to say some of the things he's saying. He's laying his life down for the entire country. Quit his job. Doesn't take a salary. Giving the chunks of his life and his families and shots and all this persecution and stuff. Most people would have quit the first month if they were in the shoot, had to be in President Trump's shoes. But he's in a position to say a few things and to make a few corrections. He's in authority. He's laying his life down. 
That's the reason Jesus could correct some people and drive money changers out of the temple with a whip is because he was going to die for those people. Anybody else who does that is violating love. Jesus wasn't violating love because he was laying his life down for those people. But when it comes to all of us and Facebook and videos and all that, we got to watch out about tearing down. So I'll tell you what the Spirit of God told me. He says that the, the person that should be in office may not be in office because of all the violations of love going on toward the other person. I believe in praying. I believe in repenting. But I also believe in not violating love because violations of love open the door to the devil. And if we're violating love, our prayers for our government does no good. Are you listening to me? Well, let's just pray more for our government. And this election will go great. And at the same time, violating love toward the other side. I don't know, sometimes it's just good to close your mouth and not say what you feel like saying. This is a human being. Who has feelings and feels pain? Does he have some weaknesses? Yeah, guess who he's a lot like? You, me. Is that right? Better watch out. Because I'm telling you, the enemy can get into our election. And even if we all vote right, and even if we all pray, it can still go the other way. Because violations of love opens the door to demonic activity. Now, I am not preaching as one who's never not done some of these things I'm preaching against. I have. I know where I'm coming from. I've been on both sides. But I tell you what, when I saw him the way the Lord showed him to me, I thought, whoa. You know, there's a couple times in my life, two times in my life, where compassion has risen up so strong inside of me, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I cried and I wept. I couldn't stop crying. My heart broke for certain people. And one person I'm thinking of in particular right now did me terrible, unjust, lied, cussed me out, threatened my life in front of other people. Just, just no reason at all. And it hurt. I remember that night, I believe it was that night, I went home and I was getting ready for bed and all of a sudden I saw this person like Jesus sees this person and my heart broke. I started, the compassion of God rose up on the inside of me so strong I could hardly stand it for this person who had just totally tried to ruin my life. The love of God rose up in me so strong, all that was petty stuff. I cared for this person more than I cared for myself. I wanted this person prosperous and blessed and happy, and if I could trade my happiness and prosperity for it, I'd give it to them all. And it wasn't fake, it was totally real coming right out of my heart. And then I started realizing Jesus was moved with compassion and healed all sick people. And this compassion rose up on the inside. I thought, Lord, if I could just live here a while, but I don't think I could handle it. I prayed the most powerful prayers I've ever prayed in my life when compassion was on me for somebody. And it was for somebody that did me terribly wrong. But I wanted them more blessed than myself. And I thought about this same time when I saw this picture of of the runner-up in the Democratic Party. You know, I thought... Lord, oh, because prior to that, I was like, yeah, man, he's got a lot of weakness. Man, he looks like a fool. Man, this and that and that. Lord said, it's violations of love. See him how I see him. I saw him as a child. I saw him from God's perspective. I thought, we're all in this fallen world together. We shouldn't be enemies. We all got the same enemy, the devil and demons trying to get us all messed up. Did that make sense, anything I just said there? Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I want you to turn to James chapter 1. James 1. In James chapter 1 and verse 12, I want to make a statement before we read it. I, I want to say, well, let me read it, then we'll make the statement. Let's let the scripture proceed here. James chapter 1 and verse 12. I want you to think about this in light of walking in love and resisting violations of love. God said, blessed is the man or woman that endures or resists temptation. And we're talking about temptations to violate love right now. Temptations to take the front. Temptations to not give the best to somebody else. Temptations to be selfish. Temptations to, you know, be the one who needs all the attention. Blessed is the man, or happy, the Bible says, happy is the man that endures temptation. So can we just stop there? <laughs> Think about this. So God's saying, you're going to be happier if you say no to what the devil says will make you happy. God says you're going to be happier if you say no to the temptation that says if you do this, you'll be happy. So the devil's saying you'll be happy if you do this. God's saying you'll be happy if you don't do it. Right. Temptation says you'll be happy if you give in. God says you'll be happy if you don't give in. Who should you believe? Come on, let's say temptation comes to you. You want something. But you know it's selfish. You know somebody's going to be hurt in the process, but it's going to make you feel real good. And the devil's saying, if you don't have this, you're going to miss out. God says, no, if you resist that, Amen. if you resist that, you're going to have the best. Amen. Put it back up on the screen. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So resisting temptation is a, is a sure proof sign we love him. It's not some feeling that we know we love him. It's saying no to temptation is proof that we love him. You see that there? We love God by saying no to things that we know are wrong and yes to things that we know are right. And resisting anything the opposite. Well, here's the way the Lord gave it to me. In the area of walking in love and resisting violations of love. Are you ready? The greatest blessings will come to us after we're tempted to violate love and we don't. We resist. We, we say no. Listen to it again. The greatest rewards, the greatest blessings of God that come into our life come after we're tempted to violate love, but we don't violate love. In other words, you, you resist. You stand against, no matter how, how, how much it hurts. Do you know the very nature of love is, I will gladly hurt for you if it will help you out. That's the very nature of love. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. How could you say gladly? Because you've gotten some of the joy already in past experience that you're addicted to. The, the nature of love is let me lift the burden. I'll take it from you. I will get it off of you. Let me help you. Let me give up some things so you can have a better life. What is this? What are we talking about here? We're talking about true Christianity. 
right? Come on. True Christianity is not about getting faith so we can get a bunch of things. True Christianity is about helping people even at the expense of us. The Bible says in Romans, uh, I believe it's Romans, it says, um, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is true Christianity. It's about what we can give more than anything that we would want to get for ourselves personally. So the greatest blessings come after we're tempted to violate love and we don't. In other words, this scripture says, can you put it back up on the screen? The Bible says, happy is the man that endures temptation for when he's tried. In other words, if you stand your ground and resist this temptation to violate love, something's coming on you. Here it says the crown of life, which the Lord has promised, something's going to come on you from the Almighty that you can get no other way. And the greater the temptation, the greater the reward. The time you think is the most miserable time in your life is actually heading you toward the greatest rewards of your life if you play it right, if you do it right. The time that you feel like you're the most miserable and everybody's coming against you, and you just, the time you, that could be the greatest time in your life if you just pass the temptation to violate love. God notices this kind of sacrifice. He's very, very acutely aware of love sacrifices. He's been there. He's done it. One translation says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he'll receive the life. There is a life that many people don't tap into. You know, selfishness is the low life. You following me? It's the low life. Giving up self so somebody else can be bettered for the kingdom of God's sake is the high life. And you will never taste the high life until after we've done some enduring and resisting in these areas and believing God's way is the best way. Actually, I was praying not too long ago about a series that we'll do someday in the church here called God's Way is the Best Way, which is something you have to remind yourself of when temptation says, no, there's a better way. I mean, no, at that time, it's good to have it in you. My feelings say that's the best way. My mind says that's the best way. Most Christians say that's the best way. The whole world says that's the best way. All the demons in hell say that's the best way. Everything about my being says that's the best way. But no, nope, God's way is the best way. I'm going this way. Yes. Well, you have to believe God's way is the best way before you see and feel His way is the best way. And how are you going to know if you believe His way is the best way unless you're severely tempted to go another way? But if you endure that temptation... You stand against that, even though everything in the natural realm says you're crazy, you're missing out, you're not going to have any fun. If you'll stand against that lie, there's coming a moment not too far from now where something's going to come on you and you're going to taste something and you're going to feel something and you're going to realize, wow, wow, God's way is the best way. Hmm. When the Almighty touches you and approves of the way you're living, you know it and everybody around you knows it. Turn to John 15. John chapter 15. How many think it's a good idea to be aware of areas of our life where maybe we have violated love and correct it? 
Aren't you glad the Lord's merciful? Hey, can I just say this? It's, it's a little, let me tell you how it's, it's, there's still effort involved and there's still suffering involved, but it makes it a little easier to, to realize that um, when it comes to being patient with impatient and unlovely people, when it comes to forgiving somebody who hurt you and was very, very mean to you and stole from you, um, one of the things that will help you deal with that person is just ask yourself, how has the Lord dealt with me when I deserved punishment? How has the Lord dealt with me when I broke the law? Huh? How, how, how has the Lord dealt with you when you sinned? Well, just deal with other people the way he's dealt with you. I have no scripture to know if even God turned to an angel and said, oh, do you see that dumb thing they did? God don't spread stuff. Love covers a multitude of sins. I, um, I was reading 1 Peter 4, 8 one day. I don't know if you have it out of the TLB, but if you have 1 Peter 4 through 8, you don't have to turn there into church, but if they have it in back there, so today's living, I think. Um, I was reading that one day because it says, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, all this exposing and talking bad about other people's sin is a violation of love. And it's actually disrespectful to the blood of Jesus that was shed to cleanse these people from their sins. Um, but everybody, would you say this with me? You have to be qualified. Can you all say that? You have to be qualified to correct someone. I can't come into your house and correct your kids. I'm not qualified to do that. They're not mine. You can't just correct anybody you see that's making a mistake. Are you their pastor? Are you their king? Are you their parent? <laughs> a, lot of God's kids are run, a lot of God's kids are running around with a paddle, spanking each other. They're not even qualified to correct. You have to be qualified to correct. You know, like you're going to die for them in a few days from now? A lot of people try to do some of the things Jesus did, but they weren't willing to die like he died. So he was able to do more in this correction area because he was going to die for those people. Do you have it back there? 1 Peter 4.8, the TLB translation. So let me tell you what it says. It says this. Have fervent love among yourselves, for love makes up for many of your faults. King James says love covers a multitude of sins. Love makes up for many of your faults. You take somebody who has ruined their life and hurt other people, made terrible mistakes, and has just got the reputation of the worst guzzball in town. All, that, all those violations of love can be overridden and superseded by living in love from now on. Amen. Love makes up for many of your faults. There's hope for the hopeless because you can all, if you're still breathing, you can walk in love. You can help somebody. You can give up a part of your life for somebody else. All right, so let's read here in John 15, verse 9 through 13. We're going to have to wrap it up here. John 15, 9 through 13. Jesus is talking. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall 
continue or abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, just before we go any further, do you realize that the number one, numero uno, clear-cut way we love God is because we do what he tells us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He that keeps my word is he that loves me. Just like Jesus said, I keep my father's commandment. Right? I love him. He loves me. I keep. He's saying the number one way you know if you love God is not a feeling. It's not if you sing praise songs. It's not if you cry. The number one way we know we love the Lord is we do what he wants us to do. You could feel like you have no feelings for the Lord and be totally high level loving him if you're doing what he told you to do. Anybody interested in loving the Lord? You should be because it's powerful. Well, read on here. He said, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, even as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you so that you have a hard hard life. No fun, very, very dissatisfied, boring, suffering, just hold out to the end and weep all the way and groan. If you read the cold context here, he's talking about walking in love. Chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, he's constantly emphasizing, if you love me, if you love me, if you love one another, if you love me, if you love one another, love one another. Love, he said, if you do these things, what do he say? How, is it on the screen? What do he say? Drum roll. These things I have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, I want to ask for a show of hands. Is there anybody in here that has more room in your life for more joy and happiness? Raise your hand if you have more room. How many of you actually could use some right now? How does it come? By somebody blessing you with something today? Taking you to lunch? Putting their arm around you? Saying everything's going to be okay? How does true fullness of joy come? Walking in love, just like he's been teaching. And walking in love, a, a number one clear sign that we're walking in love is we are laying our life down for someone so they can have a better life. God so loved the world, he gave the chiefest expression of love is giving. I'm saying all that to say this. You can tap into fullness of joy starting today and it has nothing to do with somebody coming to you and blessing you. It has something to do with you blessing, helping somebody else, lifting a burden, even at the expense of something in your life. I thought, isn't it interesting that when Paul talks about the characteristics of the God kind of love, the very first thing he says love is when it comes to characteristics of love, love suffers. Long. <laughs> Everybody wants the joy, but nobody wants this part. And this is the part that brings it and then causes it to last in your life longer than five minutes. 
What is it? Love suffers long. Hmm. See, we thought love was, whoo, love is actually, mm. Ooh. Oh. Listen close. And I'm going to show you one more scripture before we close, but listen closely here. When you start experiencing joy from God in your life because of being more concerned about helping others and laying your life down for other people, you are not only going to realize joy is a benefit, it's actually going to be joyful to hurt. You're going, to be, you're going to count it a joy to suffer because of this higher life. Oh, read the next verse. Let's just read this next verse, and I'll go to one more, and we'll close. This is my commandment that you love one another. See, this is what he's talking about, as I have loved you. If you do these things, what's going to happen? Come on, if you do this, what's going to happen? Remember the previous verse, verse 13? Was it verse 11? I'm sorry, verse 11. These things I'm writing to you that your joy may be full. Then he just says again, verse, next verse, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Do you realize Jesus did nothing for himself uh, by way of going to the cross? All that was for us. And now the Bible says the father turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, because you loved righteousness and because you hated iniquity and resisted all temptation, I'm going to anoint you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Jesus is the happiest person in the earth because he resisted the lies of the devil that said this way is happier. This is more fun. The greatest joy in life comes from being a giver, helping others, and helping the kingdom of God. That, that's the greatest you'll get. I even, there's so much on my mind, I know we gotta close here, but one time, Carl and I wanted to bless somebody. We we're thinking about this, you know, giving and, and what laying our life down is, and we have opportunities to lay our life down every day. Read, go ahead and read verse 13. Go ahead and put it up there. Greater love has no man than this, can we say it this way? Greater joy will have no man than this. Because what is joy? It's the result of loving one another. So greater love, or we can say greater joy has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You get to the point where you start thinking, you know what, Lord? You know, I want my house paid for. I want my car paid for. I want these things taken care of. But you know what I want more? I want to help somebody else get their house paid off. I want to help somebody else get their car paid off. One time, there was a couple in our lives, a friend of people in our lives, we didn't have the money, so we got a loan. And we bought something. And we gave it to our friends. And we handed it to them. Remember the joy we had? Now, we had to pay on this thing for a year or so, but we gave this thing to these people. Now, would we have wanted something like that? Of course. But the Bible says, whatever you would that men should do to you, do you also to them, for this is the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. I had more joy 
we still remember it to this day, and it was decades ago. I had more joy getting that loan, getting them this, this thing, and giving to them that night and seeing the expression on their face than when somebody gave us a car. And people have given us cars more than once. The joy of that was like, wow, I know now why they addicted themselves to the ministering of the saints. The joy, and throughout the years, testimony, we've been able to give and give and give. You know, you start thinking about this. Okay, we want our house paid off. Maybe we should help somebody else get their house paid off. What are you talking about? The law of Christ. Giving up and suffering in an area so somebody else doesn't have to suffer in an area. I started thinking, Carla, I want to help somebody else get their house paid off. I want to help somebody else get their car paid for. More than I want ours paid for. There's a joy in somebody handing you a thousand dollars but friend, there's a lot greater joy in giving somebody $1,000. I am telling you, we've been there. Time, time would fail us to tell of all the testimonies where we've entered into a touch from God because of operating in something. It's wonderful. And I know a lot of you have too. It's wonderful. You know the coolest thing about this? Is our joy is not predicated on somebody doing something for us. Our joy is predicated on us doing something for somebody else. That's the answer to depression. That's the answer to unclear purpose. You know why you're here? To love. To be a blessing. To be looking for opportunities. To pray. We don't just talk about doing this. For, you know, be led. Be led by the Spirit. But this is the highest life there is. Walking in love. There's nothing like it. Finally, brethren, go to 1 Corinthians 16. And we'll close here. 1 Corinthians 16. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. And now, friend, if you're burned out, if you're tired, if you're stressed, if you're considering not going to church or you're giving up on Christianity, just, just go back to the reason you were doing it in the first place. Because without love, it's hard. It's, it's you, you know, it's, whoa. But if love is in there, you're going, man, I'd gladly be spent for you. Joy, you know what it says in the, in the book of Hebrews? It said there was a bunch of Christians who, joy, who took joyfully the spoiling of their goods. How do you do that? If you're a person of love, you don't care about what happens to you. You just want to make sure good things happen to other people. And this is when God can lift you up to places very few ever get to. Touch things in the area of joy that very few touch. So in 1 Corinthians 16, look at verse 15 through 18. These are the scriptures we'll close on. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the serving of the saints. How do you get addicted to something if it's a drag? How do you get addicted to something... If it's always heavy and gray and I have no fun. From the, some of the scriptures we just showed right now, this serving, this giving of their lives, this laying down a part of their lives to minister to the saints, to the minister to the church, released something in their life that got them addicted to this kind of serving. If you serve the Lord the way you're supposed to, it's addicting. You'll catch yourself after a day or two. I haven't done something for somebody. I haven't lifted a burden. I haven't, I haven't helped somebody out yet. I haven't given yet. It's like you start having withdrawals. I got to give again. I got to give. I got to help somebody. I know we've all thought joy and happiness was about what somebody else did for us. No, no, that's backwards. Joy and happiness is about what we do for others. Fullness of joy, not this 
one quarter full, gone tomorrow. How many of you want the joy level to stay full? You got to keep just filling up. Read, read the next verse. He said, now that you submit yourself to such and to everyone that helps with us and labor. So these were helpers. How many know if you're helping somebody else, you don't have time for you? How many know it takes sacrifice to help people? It takes sacrifice to stop what you're doing and pay attention to somebody else and their needs. It takes sacrifice, changing of schedules, laying down of our life to serve in the church. To help your neighbor, to bring cookies to a neighbor, to invite somebody to church. What is that? That's called you suffering because you love. I, I'm, I'm going to say it. If you, if you get involved in this, you're going to love suffering. What you thought were the worst times in your life are going to turn into the best times in your life because you resisted temptations to violate love and you chose to be nice instead. Next verse. For I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaius for that, which, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. This is love. That which was lacking, they supplied. Do you remember Epaphroditus? Good Greek name, right? Name your kids Epaphroditus. Call him Epi for short, I guess. Um, Epaphroditus? Paul said Epaphroditus was sick unto death. Because he worked so hard to supply your lack of service. And he about died. That is honorable. He about died for the work of Christ to supply your lack of service. And God had mercy, raised him up. He was fine, got healed. I thought, wow, where does that come from? Where does being beaten and stoned and almost killed and then coming back to your people and going, whoo, we were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. Where does that come from? I don't want you to take my suffering. Let me have it. If it's for the Lord. Now, if it's just for you and pride. No, we're talking about for the Lord and something that helps other people. Oh, my. That's where life is really found. Mm -mm. Everybody say, the way of victory is the way of love. And when you get into tough situations where you're just flat out being ripped off, you got two options. Well, probably more than that, but two big ones. Number one, bite for your rights. Demand what's yours or let love work it out. You'll lose something. You'll suffer, but God will pay you back. And you'd rather have him paying you back than just latching on to what you had a right to hold on to. How about just let it go and let love fight the fight. Let love work it out. It takes faith to walk in love that God will deal with this when I don't. You know, the Bible says love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. but I have a right to it. Let love work it out. It's not worth it. Let love work it out. But if I don't yell at them, they won't get the job done. Let love work it out. But it'll take longer. And I'm already old. <laughs> I don't have much longer. 
They got to get their act together. Don't they know this is my dream? How about we just let love work it out? How would we just back up, refrain our tongue from evil, our lips from speaking guile, take the pressure off, and all you're thinking, this is never going to get fixed. I'm going to die without my dream coming to pass. This is never going to work right. How about we just say, nope, nope. God, you can do in two minutes what it takes 200 years for a man to do. Just back up and let love work it out. Now, you're going to look weak in some people's minds. You should demand your right. You should clench your fist. You should punch them. You want to see a really strong man? A strong man is somebody who has power to annihilate everybody and doesn't. Just let love work it out. Just let love work it out. Remember this. Greatest blessings will come to you when you're tempted to violate love and you don't violate love. And the greater the temptation, the greater the reward. And I don't know how long it's going to take. It may take 24 hours <laughs> of resisting wrong thoughts, resisting punching, resisting cussing, resisting whatever. It may, you may be casting down thoughts left and right all day long. You're, you're, you may feel like you're going to explode if you don't whatever. Just go to bed, put on a tape or a CD or an MP3 of the Word and wake up in the morning. I'm telling you, something will be different in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.